Hello friends, Jazza here. I'm actually not in this episode, which is rude, but if this is your first time listening, I usually host the main episodes of Queer Movie Podcast with Rowan. I promise we'll dive into the episode with our friends from Spirits soon, but first we need to ask once again for your help. A couple of weeks ago, we asked people to support our podcast on Patreon because we were sadly still losing money, even with the ad reads. In order for us to keep this podcast going, we need those of you that you can to help support us. Thank you so much to the people who have already pledged to support the podcast on Patreon. It really has been amazing, but we aren't quite there yet in terms of being able to make ends meet. Please, if you can, support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. As usual, if you join us at this tier, you'll be able to join our Discord server for our queer movie watch-alongs that are every last Saturday of each month, and they're so much fun, they're amazing, they're great, highly recommended. But because this thing that I'm doing now is a Patreon drive, Rowan and I will also give everyone who is supporting us at the $5 tier and above by the 28th of August 2022 personalised movie recommendations based on your own prompts. It'll be a lot of work for us to do, but we really want to do something special and unique and bespoke for those of you who chose to help the podcast in a financial way. Please go to patreon.com slash thequeermoviepodcast and help keep this podcast going. We really do need your help to do so. Thank you very much. And now I hand it over to Rowan and our friends from Spirits. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast. My name is Rowan Ellis and today is one of our special guest episodes. In fact, it's a very special guest episode because one, I am in the same room as my guests, which hardly ever happens. And two, most surprisingly, the room is in New York. I am at the Multitude headquarters in Brooklyn. Exciting. Woo. Cheers. Cheers. Because I am doing this episode with the two incredible, talented, wonderful, beautiful, just just stunning hosts of Spirits, which is another Multitude podcast, actually the first one I listen to, that's uh, a deep dive into mythology, folklore, good times with booze. It's Amanda and Julia. Woo! Yay! We're all refraining from clapping so we don't make the audio editing harder on Julia, hey, the editor who's you. also here. Yes. That's this is Julieta. When if you've ever heard us um, apologize to Julia during uh, one of our recordings, I usually cut them. <laughs> this what this is why. So, uh, you know, because it's a very special episode. Normally, for those of you who listen to the podcast, you'll know we have two different kinds of guest episodes we typically do. I think today we're going to try and mix and match. So one of them is the movies that made me queer, or sometimes the TV shows, the media, the podcast, the books, and the other one is hot takes, which is basically what it sounds like. They got to come with a spicy take, and I give my judgment. And so I thought we'd do a little mix. We just chat. We talk about kind of movies that had influences over identities, or sometimes it's just like, oh, I think this character is hot uh, that's also acceptable in this uh, guest format and then also I know that Julia has uh, a take that you described uh, about five seconds ago as spicy I think it's spicy what I like to see so in that case let's start with Amanda do you have a movie to bring to the table I absolutely do. The movie that had the biggest impact on my identity as a nerd, as a bookish kid, and as a queer person is Matilda. Oh, 
Oh, I love that. Okay, take us through what's the reasoning, what's happening here for you. So a formative movie for many people who are now 30-ish, as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent soundtrack. Excellent, you know, a kid being wise and kind of grown beyond her years. I fantasized about having a wagon to bring my library books home in because I was limited to the ones I could carry. <laughs> and that simply was not enough for me. But most of all, Miss Honey represents the, you know, kind of independent from your family, living on your own, reliant just on yourself, a cottage just your size, and she's beautiful. And I think the life goals, wife goals, independent lady, leaving a home that didn't respect and treat you the way that it should is uh, queer life goals for me. Also, I think that the whole stereotype of like, were you obsessed and a little bit in love with your English teacher in school or are you straight? Oh, is yeah. Like a big part of that as well. <laughs> Rowan, I'm attached to this photo and I love it. Like, yes, <laughs> I mean, I'm obsessed with every English teacher and uh, wanted to be my friends and, and aspired to have peers and be a person like that. And totally true. Hi, Miss Winters. If you happen to be listening, <laughs> FYI, you were one of those English teachers. You were very cool. I think it was really funny, actually, during my I did English all the way up to A level. And a lot of us got gifted books that uh, at the end of the course where it was like, oh, this is a, a book that I think you'd appreciate. And I got given Audrey Lord Sammy. And it wasn't until I read it like years later that I was like, it's because I'm it's because I'm gay, isn't it? I was like, <laughs> OK, OK, you really saw me in that moment and were like, she needs something gay in her life. Like, let's give her this book, which is very appreciated years later. Amazing. <laughs> I also thought when you said I dreamed of, because my head immediately went to a stack of those pancakes that she makes. And you were like, a wagon to take my books. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but much more intellectual than my answer, which is just like, I want those perfect pancakes that she makes like when she's home alone, the coolest thing in the world beautiful yeah it's so good and i think too a lot of elements of you know parenting yourself and kind of Mm -hmm. being that person for yourself being there for yourself respecting your needs and autonomy and knowing that your opinion counts even if the adults in your life aren't necessarily validating that i think matilda is a real kind of self-parenting introduction for a lot of us Mm -hmm. i think like when you talk about these ideas that like seem to fit so obviously into queerness now that we're like you stop to think about it for two seconds, as well as obviously every lesbian being in love with Miss Honey, is so interesting because I think that there's uh, a lot of people who still are kind of against media like Matilda, for example, so like media around kids, having any hint of queerness in it as if it would be something that like they wouldn't be able to understand or it wouldn't resonate. And actually, I think you could very easily have had Miss Honey be confirmed to to be gay and it would have taken nothing away from the story and actually potentially might have added thematically to it with all those points that you said about the idea of like found family and like finding your own family and like kind of not necessarily it being based on who your like blood relations are that you can still find happiness and peace and like make your own life it makes complete sense yeah are you a you Matilda person Julia I do I love that movie I think uh, Danny DeVito is actually a really underappreciated like director and producer Mm -hmm. but he made like a really beautiful movie and I'm I'm glad that you talked about like Miss Honey like making her own home for herself because I think that one of the like nicest things about that character is that she responds to all of the like tragedy and mistreatment in her life with kindness mm-hmm. which I feel like like a lot of folks who are queer who like faced that kind of discrimination and like backlash from their families as queer children don't feel like they had a way of outletting that in a way that there is kindness and Miss totally. is a good mm-hmm. representation of that, I think. 
Yeah. And something, I think I learned the word margarine from the Matilda book <laughs> because it it was sort of a plot point that Miss Honey, you know, gave up a more kind of, or was forced out of, you know, what should have been hers, her literal inheritance and had a teacher's salary. And, uh, you know, in those days, uh, was enough to support a household, uh, isn't anymore. But she had margarine instead of butter, right? And that idea that like, it doesn't have to be the best, it doesn't have to be what you were raised with, it doesn't have to be somebody else's standards. It just has to be what's enough for you. And mm-hmm. to your point, Julia, you know, she shares it with Matilda. She shows Matilda kindness. She recognizes that in somebody else else, you know, that needs a little extra care and somebody whose difference sort of makes them special. I think there's, you know, so many allusions to queer life. Absolutely. And also like what you were just saying, Julia, about the idea of like treating people with kindness, that you also have Matilda coming in and showing kind of like healthy limits to that where mm-hmm. it's like okay cool you're being very kind but also there's you know maybe some someone's treated you appallingly has been like abusive towards you and you she kind of finds it difficult it seems to to figure out okay at what point can I say like set a boundary and be like working literally for my boss being this person who like took all of my rightful inheritance is maybe uh you know, there's a there's a level of kindness and and sweetness and positivity that kind of gets into uh, maybe not being the best for you. And I think having this kid be able to come in and be like, no, this is what kind of you deserve. We both deserve is great. I love how I'm also like, none of this was stuff I picked up as a kid. I was just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, she's doing magic. Like it's so cool. The pancakes are great. And now as an adult, I'm looking back, which I think is probably a marker of like the best kids media for me is being able to have both of those kind of going on at the same time basically so you want the adults who are bringing you to that cinema to not be bored out of their minds it's the the true goal Mm -hmm. i think in kids in kids stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and i remember too thinking about sort of examples from my own life or uncovering you know miss honey may well be you know a lesbian i i hope she is i i hope you know i hope there is canon confirmed confirmed canon head canon for sure um i remember learning about like members of my own family where it's like oh you know the uh, the elderly spinster aunts who mm-hmm. you know lived together and one of them was really into tools and <laughs> you know rode like my my great aunt flo like rode burrows like she rode like it was like donkey polo really? in merrick where we're from what yeah and then we like a post from it and she was in like a women's like donkey uh racing league essentially mm, and that's I'm, like, pretty gay and flo definitely a lesbian mm-hmm. like for like you know not just her name but like <laughs> the, that whole thing she loved tools and like had a pegboard and loved the garage and i'm like aunt flo seems just like my kind of person and sometimes you know particularly looking in you know if your family's not super open to that or you're the first person in your family to sort of make your family acknowledge queerness and to talk about it you know you have to kind of uncover those examples for yourself and that's one element of being queer that i've always been so grateful for that like you know I feel like we are forced to think about things that straight people maybe are never forced to think about Mm -hmm. from you know survival presentation identity all those elements but also it wasn't assumed for me growing up pre you know gay marriage that I could get married one day or wanted to or want to have a family or have kids or what that meant for me how I define my family how I define people I let close to me and that's something that I think queer people are great at querying all elements of life and that could mean leaving a family that is wrong for you it could mean moving from you know a home that doesn't fit you to a cottage that's just your size to you know taking in a you know a kid that really needs your help or seeing that element in somebody else um and it's something that queer people are really really good at yeah i kind of similar um situation in terms of like uncovering family stuff i actually did a video on my channel on youtube uh, a little while ago with my dad um a few years ago now and it was just kind of uh talking to him about his memories of me coming out because it was like a long time ago and i 
didn't seem to have this very definitive like and then I came out on this particular day I kind of almost couldn't remember like how it had happened and like the way it was working and he also to his um, enormous credit didn't remember either <laughs> uh, I was really hoping he would tell me the grand epic story and then I'd be like oh yeah we were both clueless but he just off the cuff just dropped like obviously you had a, a great uncle who was gay and I was like say what now uh no you never actually mentioned that to me and and i think it was just the idea that i think he hadn't even hadn't even occurred to the straight people in my family like oh maybe rome would be interested to know about this <laughs> like maybe that would be something that was kind of an interesting part of the family history because exactly like you said there was kind of things that they don't necessarily have to think about because there is something very comforting in knowing that you're like not the first mm-hmm. in a lot of ways like this is a thing that's been like you know in a in a kind of objective way like oh you know, queerness has been around for as long as straightness has been around. I have 30 but... cousins. I can't be the only one. Yeah, Come like on, this, is ridiculous. Yeah, this the, is ridiculous. The gay cousin can also be gay cousins, plural. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is the gay law. Um, <laughs> I I have my full stamp of approval onto Matilda as a piece of queer media. I mean, this is not technically a format in which I do judge, but I mean, since we're, we're crossing over with hot takes, you know, why not? Um, mm-hmm. That gets a stamp, that gets a tick. Thank you. Um, I would love to know, Julia, if you have any media that was influential, anything that you want to bring to the table. I do. Amanda picked such a thoughtful answer, and then mine is just going to be like some fucking animation. So. Love, love it. So my first pick is Orin High School Host Club. Yay! Oh my god. Okay, right. Tell, tell the people, tell the people what this anime is. What's it about? What's going on? And why have you picked it? So, in very classic early two thousands problematic uh, anime style, it is a harem anime, for lack of a better word. Uh, that is the genre in which it is, where there is a character named Haruhi Fujioka, who is basically a scholarship student at an extremely rich school. And one of the clubs at this extremely rich school is a host club, which is basically five guys who just like have a good time flirting with women and the women pay to be flirted with. And Haruhi ends up being indebted and they're like, all right, well, you're going to pay your debt off by being a host. And it takes the first full episode for all of them to realize that Haruhi is not a guy, Haruhi is a girl. But in order to pay off that debt, Haruhi has to continue to portray herself as a guy in order to not be in debt to a bunch of rich assholes. Julie, you just sent me into like a full body flashback to watching Mulan bind and being like, interesting. interesting. I'm going to look at this in about 15 years and not a minute before. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another one that <laughs> falls that under that the, category. Huh? To look at later lists. Yes. Yeah. But it is very much like a thing where I was like, oh, how do he does not give a shit about her gender. Oh, Haruhi is flirting with both guys and girls. Oh, Haruhi is taking no shit from anyone about how she looks and how she portrays herself. And I love that. Big fan of that. Mm-hmm. I um, was introduced to that anime hilariously. It's it's almost like watching, to watch that anime without having been familiar with other anime is like watching scary movie without watching horror movies before. Yes. yes. And for some reason, that was just an anime that I sided with. And I know that like the first time I watched it, I was getting zero references to yep. anything that was happening because it's very like referential to other like tropes and anime and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But I still loved it. I It was like such a weird little show. And I think exactly what you were saying about the idea of like the characters who were kind of made fun of mm-hmm. or have that element of comedy to their 
attitude or to their beliefs are all of these like rich guys who don't understand that like you know sometimes people need to work for their money or you know they, all of this kind of stuff was really like they're the butt of the joke rather than it being like this character who is like kind of gender non-conforming in a particular way or has this like complicated relationship with class and gender and all this kind of stuff mm. so I I love that you bought that because yes. I kind of like hadn't I kind of want to re-watch it now because I feel like it's been so long since I've dived into that absolute nonsense that is that show. Some of it has aged poorly because it's an early 2000s anime. That's just how, how it be sometimes. I can I can forgive it. Uh, but yeah, it's just like you said, Haruhi very much plays the straight man to the ridiculous nature of everyone around her. And I think that's kind of why she is such like gender stuff aside like that is why she is such a great like protagonist character because she is so just like average as opposed to all of these larger than life characters and yet she has found herself in a situation where it's like I don't understand any of you and any of the things that you're trying to do here Mm -hmm. and uh, I appreciated that. Which I, I guess, like, if you're going to go, if we're going to get, um, you know, analytical about this, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the characters within the show who are the boys in the host club specifically fit into tropes and stereotypes yes. of, like, masculine, different types of masculinity that you've seen portrayed. In terms of, like, this is the strong, silent type. This is the intellectual, like, kind of attractive because of their, you know, they're wearing their glasses, very cute type. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, very... Yeah. So it's very interesting seeing a character looking at these traditional ideas of masculinity or these traditional ideas of gender or of, like, what it... A mix of, like, high school cliques, like, tropes in media and be like, what is even happening with these? Like, there's something very queer about doing that, about looking at these things of, like, oh, this is what society has said that you need to fit into. This is what is expected or this is, like, these are the options that are led up before you. And to have someone be like, this is so bizarre. Like, I'm kind of forced to be within this environment of, (laughs) like, society slash this host club. And this is just very strange to me all around. And it was really, I, I am a... I just remember being a big fan of it, even as I was like, just just like smile and wave almost. I was just like, yeah, I do not understand what's happening, <laughs> but I'm I'm here for the ride and I'm a big fan of what's going on here. I watched it with my brother, I think. Mm. Like, like it was one of those things that, I think it was like my dad, it was like a DVD got, was being like put into the bargain bin and was like, oh, it's one of these animations. You like these animations, <laughs> right? I have kids, they watch cartoons. Yeah, they watch cartoons, it's fine. Like I remember he got me Witch, the like, the the Witch compilation Omnibus as well from this same bargain bin. And it was, just, and still like, we'll reference stuff to each other from that show, mm-hmm. like the spicy tuna, like sushi <laughs> and like all of this stuff. fatty tuna. She'll do anything so for good. fatty tuna. There's like a great scene <laughs> where too. where the, the boys like go and visit her like at her house oh and they God. they have to drink like commoners coffee and they just can't understand the idea of like instant coffee mm-hmm. or like this is just like they've discovered her in some kind of horrendous situation which they must rescue her from and she's literally just like living in her house (laughs) like a normal human being and they're like oh my god like I can't believe she's been living like this this entire time (laughs) that one of them has a dream that she's living in like complete squalor and they're like we have to go check on her (laughs) is she okay and they're like concerned they bring her tea and she's like 
they're like, oh my God, she doesn't have a teapot. We don't know what to do. And it's like, no, I just don't have enough matching glasses because there's six of you. Why are you all here? <laughs> Leave my house. Please. So actually with both of you for these options, were these things that you watched when you were like younger, were these more recent ones? And did you like appreciate it at the time and feel like it was like influencing you at the time? Or is it like a, in retrospect, I've looked back and been like, hmm, suspicious. Something was going on here. For me, Orin High School Host Club is definitely like, I think I was like 12 or 13 probably when I started watching it. And I definitely had some feelings about gender then that I was like, well, those don't make sense. So I'm not going to really appreciate them until later. Let's, <laughs> let's pack those and then away. I was like mm-hmm. thinking about it. I was like, oh, how do he? We were the same person, <laughs> huh? Hmm. <laughs> Julia, did you engage with any elements of fandom? Because so Julia and I grew up together. We went to kindergarten mm-hmm. together all the way through primary and high school. And uh, we were the only online people, yeah. I think, that each other knew for a really long time and would, you know, go on role-playing boards and Tumblr. Shout out Neopets. Shout out Neopets. Oh, Shout out appropriate conversations with strangers on the internet. Mm, you know classic. how it is. Yeah, yeah. But Julia, did you engage with fandom on that show at all? That was not one of my, like, role-play style ones um it was just something like i appreciated like i'm sure i read some fix and reblogged a bunch of like gift sets and stuff like that at the time mm-hmm. but it wasn't one of my like early fandoms no that that's fair enough mm-hmm. i was wondering if it was one of the ones that you know looking on deviant art or yeah. seeing other people's kind of oh fan definitely works about deviant it. art oh yeah 100 oh yeah good point for me i think the thing i love most about matilda was seeing like a bookish kid mm-hmm. um and certainly you know one who was so smart she used magic like her her in- intellect equals magic power which was incredible which i really really loved and i think kids kind of uniting against adults i felt very much as a kid that sense of like I know I'm not 18 yet, but like, why doesn't my opinion matter? Like, why doesn't anyone <laughs> like listen to what I think should happen or like where I want to go on vacation or like, what do you mean? Because I don't have a job. I don't get to like vote on where we have dinner. Like, I, I was very just kind of puzzled by the and like felt uh, oppressed by the sort of hierarchy of, you know, kids' opinions not mattering. Um, See, when I expressed that to my father, he bought me a book by a Republican guy who was like, kids have rights, too. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, but not that's not what I mean. Dad. That's not what I'm going for. My parents like, one day you will move out of the house and then you can make your own decisions. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Um, but looking back, Miss Honey strikes me in retrospect as one of those where it was like, oh, that's why I was, uh, you know, uncommonly interested in like rewatching this particular scene, you know, this particular movie. So definitely uh, appealed to me for a different reason when I was little. I think that there's uh, this idea within like when straight people talk about their kids and this idea of like them being able to see oh, I see this little crush happening there. Like, they're not aware of it, but uh, we are as the adults. How cute. Like, this is very sweet. And I think I want to I wanna live in a world in which that's true of anyone looking at kids, no matter their kind of gender, no matter their potential gender of their, their uh, you know, little crush, that that's something that's seen as as, as innocent and as sweet and that, that also it's being paid attention to in the same way, that it's not being brushed under the carpet because I think that that's, that's pretty important to not, kind of make those assumptions I say on my little tiny soapbox (laughs) no totally and and just you know parenting the kid you get not the kid you wish you had or replaying the shit that you wish happened to you I'm not a parent I have no idea how you know how hard it is like 
you know, I don't look at YouTube videos of like soldiers coming home from war to their dogs, right? Like that, that that's not the genre I, I look at or like kids taking their first steps. I look at like, you know, gender affirming parenting and, mm-hmm. you know, parents that are like stoked when their sons want to paint their nails, you know, or they're, you know, have, have gender affirming clothing and, and play choices for their kids, I think is, is so incredible. And you're reminding me in talking about the host club and the kind of tropes, how, you know, when I was, you know, 13 and Julie and I were getting into middle school theater and hearing Rent and hearing two women sing mm. about their feelings for each other and their breakup, uh, the problematic bisexual representation of Maureen aside, uh, which we can just put to the side for a second, I was like, okay, so there's, I can be a Joanne lesbian or a Maureen lesbian. Like, okay. Those are the only options, like, Those are the Amanda. only options <laughs> of, of women who like women. That's the only option. Leather um, or... Doc or Martin? Lawyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leather uh, or lawyer. I was like, well, yes, I am. You know, I do enjoy lists and I'm a stage manager. <laughs> therefore, I am a Joanne, uh, you know, bisexual. The fact that the queer community is not simply sort of leather daddies or, you know, feminine men and butch lesbians and femme lesbians. Like there, yeah. there is, you know, a... a, a incredible rainbow continuum Mm -hmm. of gender of type of kink of not kink of you know ace and arrow like it is it is really a a prism and not a sort of scale and i think that that is so much truer now for kids growing up not to mention many gayer musicals available to you than we had that's i love yeah rent was a was a time it was a musical indeed i did a i I choreographed rent at uni which some might say rowan how strange that's not a musical that necessarily needs a choreographer but we did it so uh (laughs) and and it was also something that wasn't necessarily communicated to the people casting the show so it was like yeah yeah just take the chorus and do some dancing with them and i'm like can they dance and they're like "Uh, no not really but you know we'll make it work um I'll figure it out. It's fine. Was that something that you'd was like an at the time thing? You watched this musical and you were already like, okay, well, I know I'm bi, but I've, I'm kind of waiting to see that rep that I want. Oh, okay, cool. These are my options. Or were you still kind of figuring out what your sexuality was? And it was just like, hey, let's add this to the soup, I guess. Yes, I I knew that I was bisexual when I was like 11 or 12. And it probably came across that word, you know, when I met other kids in theater club in middle school at 13. And so that that is when the I was like, oh, that's the, you know, that's the word, the label, the kind of, you know, zone for me and going to girl.com and kind of other, you know, places online where people of my age would, you know, meet and talk about that kind of thing. But that's another, I think, kind of under appreciated or under love. Like we all hear, you know, theater kids are so gay. All the gay kids in high school that I knew anyway were in theater club. But seeing gay adults and seeing queer adults was so magical to me. Like in our high school theater program, there was, you know, one director who was a teacher at the school. And then we had like a costumer and a choreographer and like one guy who came to make sure that the sets that the kids built were safe. Yep. Amazing. And, you know, seeing those queer adults, seeing like a queer choreographer and dancer from the city, like take the train out to the suburbs, you know. Smelling of cigarette smoke. (laughs) Oh, Robert, love you. And like Robert was like, you know, was fine for a teenager to, you know, pick him up, bring him to school, help us choreograph Hello, Dolly based on Carol Channing's tour when she was like (laughs) in her 80s. Um, And then, you know, go back to the city that night was was like a portal to a universe. Just thinking like, wow, like I too can be a a queer adult and have a backpack and live in the city and like make money. Uh, It was just totally amazing Mm. I was growing up which me and Jazza I think have talked about probably on the podcast before to be honest because I think it had a bigger impact on our on our lives growing up about uh, section 28 which was a local government act that was enacted uh, when 
I mean, enacted actually before I was born, but then con- the legacy continued into my school years, which basically meant that teachers in the UK uh, just couldn't talk about gay, gay shit, essentially, to paraphrase. And definitely couldn't talk about it as a, uh, the, the phrase that they use uh, in the act itself was a pretended family relationship. Um, and so, yeah, so... It was uh, a situation which you really just couldn't, you absolutely would not have had a teacher be able to be out whatsoever. You would not really have been able to discuss, even if there was something that would come up in history, like it was very iffy about whether you could or not. Like a lot of teachers were worried about being fired if they discussed it. So therefore there was also really a lack of people feeling able to stand up against like bullying that they would see in the classroom because they couldn't be seen to endorse Mm. being gay if they were trying to reprimand you. And so even like, me and Jazza were still in school like after it was repealed but it meant that for that like 20 how many years none of the teachers were being trained in it so you would also have a load of teachers who would then continue their career for decades afterwards who never really felt comfortable addressing this stuff because they'd never been told about it and actually been told specifically not to talk about it so they really had no clue like even when I was you know leaving school about how the hell you meant to to like talk about this stuff, to mention it. So like, I know that when I was in school, we had in A-levels, so like our last years at school when I was like 18, we had queer books within the English literature curriculum, which was great. And we we did like Wilfred Owen, for example. And that was a really formative experience for me because although the poems that were picked from his kind of whole collection weren't necessarily the queerest ones, it's like more queer ones. And notoriously, a lot of his... His queerness was kind of like tried to be covered up by his family and it was a real interesting dive when you learn about him into the idea of like, okay, how how many queer people's contributions to different parts of life have disappeared because their families wanted to cover up the fact they were queer when they died and would Mm -hmm. like burn their diaries or destroy paintings or like photos or writings, whatever it would be. And so, but before that, and that was like, with these teachers who were the one who gave me like the gay book before that the only mention of queerness that I had in like any lessons was a paragraph in a history textbook when we were learning about World War II and it said as well as the other groups mentioned in the Holocaust the Nazis persecuted homosexuals that was like the mention wow Um, fast forward to AIDS because there were no gay people in the meantime (laughs) yeah and then they were like but let's not talk about that either Mm -hmm. and so yeah it's such a it's so interesting seeing now that there's more of these like you were saying like oh there's like more gay musicals and I'm like yeah there's literally like what the prom and Jamie um are ones that are specifically about queer teenagers like four queer teenagers that they can get uh, kind of excited about as well as the ones that also include queer adults in there and that's like so exciting to me that there's that if I was to do this particular like format of the podcast in like however many years time with people who are younger that it would be they would have so much more explicit representation in comparison to us where we're like I don't know Miss Honey could have been a lesbian like I kind of I I thought she might be Uh, (laughs) that they're able to be like oh no this literally was like someone who represented exactly my experiences Mm -hmm. and that's very I think me and Jazza at the point in which this goes out the Heartstopper episode will already be out Mm -hmm. and I think that that's one of those things that people have quite an emotional reaction to because it's like wow I feel very like melancholy and slightly jealous about the fact that this is something I'll never get, but also so happy and joyful for like the young queer people who are getting to experience this for the first time. And that it kind of, if this continues, then they'll be able to say like, oh yeah, when I was like 12, I watched this show and it like totally like allowed me to explore this. And it wouldn't be that they had to be at a school that had other queer people who are out. It was just something they could experience wherever they were, which is, we love to see that what progress.
Hello, listener. I lied to you earlier. It's me, Jazza, again, and actually I am in this episode, but I'm just doing the ad read today, so bear with me while I talk to you about Shaker and Spoon. They are a subscription cocktail service that helps you learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right at home. Every box comes with enough ingredients to make three different cocktail recipes developed by world-class mixologists. All you need to do is buy one bottle of that month's spirit and you have all you need to make 12 drinks. We've been going through our second heat wave of the summer here in the UK at the moment and honestly a Kiev mule would have gone a long way while I was here sweating in my bedroom. At just $40 to $50 a month, plus the cost of the bottle, this is a super cost-effective way to enjoy craft cocktails, and you can skip or cancel boxes at any time. Invite some friends over, class up your nightcaps, or be the best house guest of all time with your shaker and spoon box. Get $20 off your first box at shakerandspoon.com slash queermovie. That's shakerandspoon.com slash queermovie. As you know, Queer Movie Podcast is part of Multitude, a collection of creators of audio that builds great communities around nerdy stuff that we love and what could be more nerdy than Dungeons and Dragons. Join the Party is a D&D podcast of actual play with amazing world-building, genre-pushing storytelling and collaborators who make each other laugh each week. The cast includes DM Eric and the emphatic players Brandon and the amazing Amanda and Julia, who you are hearing on this podcast right now. They welcome everyone to the table, from long-time TTRPG players to folks who have never touched a role-playing game in their lives. If you're not sure where to start, hop into the campaign. Um, it's a very good name. The Monster of the Week story set in a weird and wild summer camp. Or marathon their D&D games with Campaign 2 for a modern day comic book superhero story. Or a Campaign 1 for a high fantasy epic. So, what are you waiting for? Pull up a chair and join the party. Search for Join the Party in your podcast app. Or go to jointhepartypod.com. Okay. Let's go back to the show now. So did you two have any other items to bring to the table on on this uh, stuff that made you queer, stuff that influenced you? I, I'm trying to think if I want to go broad or specific with this next one, because the broader is like superheroes as a genre. Mm-hmm. And then the like extreme narrowness is... Terra from Teen Titans. I was going to say, Julia's got to talk about X-Men at some yeah. point in this episode. Got to talk mean, about Warrior Cats. Yeah, got to talk yeah. about Avalon and like Unicorn Warriors. Like we loved all kinds of fantasy I shit. Don't, I don't think Warrior Cats is a thing that made me queer. <laughs> I'm just going to eliminate that okay. as a possibility fair, for my fair. future and okay. shove it into a corner and not okay. think about Warrior Cats anymore. Okay. But I think superheroes as a whole definitely was actually i remember specifically like the first mention of superheroes and like queerness that i recall passing up i had gotten from the library it was basically like the marvel database but before they had the marvel database website they had a printed book about all of the x-men And I remember reading it through and I got to the section on Mystique and they mentioned they're like, oh, yeah, Mystique, you know, shape-shifting power is very cool. And her wife. And I'm like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Say what? Uh, And so there is like very distinct mention in the comics and it usually gets very glossed over. But she was married to this other 
super villain named Destiny who's able to see the future. And in the comics, they adopted Rogue together. And it was like they just had like a nice queer relationship with an adopted daughter. And it was like very sweet, despite the fact that they were super villains. But I remember specifically being like, oh. And then, I, and then I was like, but Mystique's like over there making out with Iceman too. Huh. She can do both. Mm. Huh. Didn't know that was on the she menu. She can do both. Interesting. <laughs> and then fast forward like a year or two later when the Teen Titans TV show is very popular. And I remember the character of Tara being introduced. And I was just like, I really like this character. She seems super cool. And at the time I was like, why am I upset that she is into Beast Boy. Why does that upset me? I'm like, it's not because I think Raven and Beast Boy should be together. I think they're cute together, but I don't think it's like, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I was like, why Why is her being into this guy upsetting to me? I don't understand. And I was like, maybe it's because you, you want to date her, Julia. Maybe you're, maybe you're jealous. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm jealous this whole maybe. time. I'm like, I want a cute blonde girl who can control rocks and has a dark past. Hell yeah. Put that on the yeah. Put that on your dating profile. Just like yeah, this is my very specific ask. If you do not fulfill this, don't don't worry. Move along. Poor Jake doesn't fall into that category, (laughs) but that's all right. Um. So okay, this is interesting, right? Because this kind of feeds into the idea of like the queer villain tropes, which is. You know, on the surface, a lot of people have talked about the idea of like the queer villains is bad because, you know, here's the history, et cetera, et cetera. But then there are also, you know, a lot of people who are like, fair, but also I still like them. That's hot. So it's, it's cool. hot. It's I, hot. I also want to tear down oppressive systems. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Um, so were you kind of aware when you were looking at that, were you was the fact that she was in the villain category of interest or were you like I like this domestic side of you super villain <laughs> so Mystique's an interesting character because she is very much like sometimes she's a villain but sometimes she's a good guy kind of thing so I'm like alright Mystique's back at it with the X-Men she's doing good things her and Magneto are on the good side for the time being great awesome so I was never like oh man I'm mad that she's a villain but also has a wife like that was never the case for me also because like the X-Men one inherently like are an allegory for like queerness as well as a bunch of other stuff Mm -hmm. but also there are like other explicitly or there were at the time other explicitly queer out characters within the x-men north star being the one that i could i can think of explicitly and i yeah i was never like mad about it and i was also like mystique's just like hot and blue and naked all the time though so like that's a win for everyone really (laughs) It is. I feel like there were there were so few crumbs that anything I got, I was happy with. Yeah. And I was thinking, too, when Julia was reminiscing about our library, that there was like a very small sort of like LGBT section of the library, the new library that was built in town when we were in like middle or high school. Mm-hmm. And I would sort of, you know, very furtively look in that section, put those books in the middle of the other YA books I was checking out as if someone would notice or, or say something to me. And how you know again looking back many of them had like abysmal trans representation right or like no characters of color or you know destructive stereotypes of other kinds or you know nothing about disability whatsoever lots of limitations there were so few crumbs that whatever i got i wasn't even thinking you know oh i'm sad they're a villain i'm like oh uh, something about this calls to my soul and it's that you know they're independent they have their own agenda they're set up their own life they're something about what they're doing in the world is not what was expected and that, for lots of reasons, beginning with queerness, but not limited to it, appealed to me. 
going back to what you were saying about like Heartstopper and, you know, younger queer youth having that explicit representation, I was thinking, I was like, wow, I'm so excited for them to just have like great representation, but also like trash representation at the same time. That's that's privilege, right? Is like having, yeah, having a a buffet and not just the one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like I know that there's a a lot of people who are looking at, especially um, notoriously shows on streaming sites that get cancelled mm. within like two seasons, three seasons, mm-hmm. um, kind of feeling like as a viewer, as a marginalised viewer, you have to play this game of like, okay, we know that technically it's not good representation, but if we don't watch it, they're just not going to give us any representation. So like yeah. we need to just like, I don't know, don't even watch it. Like you'll have Tumblr posts where it's like, look, you don't have to watch the show, just play it in the background so they think you're watching it so that they don't cancel all of the other shows that are meant to be good that are coming out because they think that we won't watch it or won't make money because they won't look at it and be like oh yes they were boycotting for very specific nuanced reasons around the queer representation they'll be like okay no one wants it cool that's the end which really sucks that that's something that people have to think about and have to try and like play the system for but I'm hoping with like the way the Heartstopper which really seems to have been Netflix's kind of dive into the clean teen genre which is basically I think it's kind of originally like a I've heard it more as a book term but essentially it's looking at this rise in that happened in YA and it also happened in, you know, shows like Skins, like Euphoria, like mm-hmm. Sex Education, where the shows are like rated 18 mm-hmm. and they're about and meant to be four teenagers. So it's more of like a, oh, the thing I stay up late to watch or the thing that I secretly watch on like my friend's account or whatever yeah. on Netflix. I learned to torrent to download Queer as Folk, which was yes, not appropriate. Say, that was not appropriate yes, at, at all. all. At all. And yet, here I Oh my God, I, I, love, I love how we like had the exact same experience Oh yeah, Queer as Folk. We're laying on your bed and watching episodes together. Yeah, I would open I up like, like 20 browser windows because tabs weren't invented yet. Yep, t- take that on for size because each 30-minute episode was broken into like five or six parts. Yep. And yep. we would have to buffer mm-hmm. each of them as we went. Oh my god! I like I'd fully forgotten the mm-hmm. the the experience of having to open if you knew you wanted to watch multiple episodes, like having to open fire the episodes oh, yeah. up so that they would load in the background, so that when you yep. came to yeah. it, it wouldn't be broke. Oh god! I've just like flashed back to my past, like I'm mm-hmm. in some kind of time machine back yeah. to the. 1800s. Julia, I wouldn't watch it with you now. Yeah. There's, there's like, there were so many dicks in there. Yeah, yeah like from, so the very yeah. from the I, very beginning. I did exactly the same thing. Me and my friends used to watch it at, specifically watched it at my friend Claudia's house. Uh, we were meant to be revising or like practicing for a drama uh, exam. Oh, yeah. We fully weren't. We were just watching Chorus Folk. It was great. <laughs> but also, I like, yeah, it was your UK version and not. No, our no, no. Pittsburgh no, no, no. Version. The US version. Oh, oh really? US version. Okay. I read mm, with the problematic like child adult relationship. Oh, yeah. But the yeah, UK version had that. UK version right? has yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Hunnam before he was like famous oh. was the young kid the version. Little twink Charlie. Into this. Little no, twink we watched Charlie. the Pittsburgh version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I also watched. I'm the picturing American that version. actor's butt just really vividly right now. It's a real good butt. It's a good butt, and it's prominent mm. in the show. Mm. It's yeah. It was. I I loved that show. I was obsessed with the, and I think that potentially the Michael character being like this little nerd, mm-hmm. and the Ben character being this like cool English professor person who was just nice like mm-hmm. he was just a genuinely nice person and there wasn't really any drama around that was like so formative to me I think because <laughs> like uh, oh this is just like they're just vibing and like they're having fun and they've got friends and then apartments apartment together yeah like amazing and then they like adopt this teenage boy as well in this very I was just like look at this wholesome 
queer little family like it was so great and there's like mm-hmm. a, a scene where they're doing a michael's asked to do a speech after he goes through like this awful attack on the gay bar and yeah that's uh, right and they want him to like the human rights ca- like organization want him to do this speech that's like we're all the same like i'm just like you and he basically does the classic trope of like starting to read the speech and then like ripping it up and being like actually (laughs) and he's like I'm not like you like my life is different to yours but like it doesn't mean it's any less worthy and that was like really exciting to see like when it was airing at around the same time as all of these sort of marriage equality debates where people would be like we are very good people we have never done anything wrong and therefore we deserve rights and it was kind of like "Mm, maybe you can deserve rights even if you're not the best most pure person who's ever existed and like it should just be a thing that we get and not something we have to like argue for so I really really advanced for like Bush era queer representation Mm -hmm. damn I was like oh look at you guys doing your good work oh my gosh I totally forgotten about that (laughs) (laughs) it was so inappropriate (laughs) it was it was so inappropriate it so was but like this is this is the thing is that like you have this stuff now that's technically inappropriate in that it is aged 18 but it's sort of marketed at teenagers like queer as folk I feel it very much was like we found it because we were like we did queer as folk but it's it's uh kind of this idea of clean teen being okay there's not going to be any sex on screen or like hints at it it's going to just be like sweet there's there might be issues that happen but they're not going to be explicitly portrayed on screen Mm -hmm. and so I know that in Heartstopper it's not really a spoiler because it's kind of we start to learn about it in this first season that one of the characters has some quite intense mental health issues and we just know from the way it's being handled that it's never going to go down the like 13 reasons why route of yeah, like sure yeah what if it was just explicitly on screen like wouldn't that be fun it's like mm, you don't have to like you can no. still cover difficult issues that do affect teenagers in a way that makes them feel like taken care of and safe and like walked through it in mm-hmm. in a nice kind of in a gentle way that doesn't feel like it's just them reliving the awful thing that's happening right. to them or their friend yeah which I greatly appreciate. So I'm hoping that that becomes a genre that is more in demand that we get. We can have, you know, our our like sex educations and our euphorias, but we also get this stuff that's explicitly like, hey, we're going to explicitly not explicit, I guess is the, <laughs> the way to put it. Like we're gonna we're gonna make something specifically for the 12 year old queer kids who are just kind of figuring themselves out and need something that's not a cartoon about like it's set in a fantasy world that's jewel toned people yeah like which is which is fine and useful but it feels like it is doing a service for the kids who are still in that era of like okay all my characters are animals or like i'm i'm using metaphors really heavily like i'm reading my my kind of middle grade books like getting getting out to that point where they young people do want to see contemporary stories reflecting them that are appropriate for them and they're not making this huge leap to be like, I guess I gotta watch this 18 rated thing to see the lesbians, which is yeah. like, we did that. We don't need to do it again. <laughs> I know. There's nothing in the L word for me. N- mm. Nothing in that reflects reflects my life. I'm not smoking or making a six figure salary as a journalist in LA in the in the late nineties. But isn't that why you like sex in the city, Amanda? It's <laughs> true. It's a bit I like. But you're reminding me too, Rowan, of like all of the I I, I was sort of slightly older than the books that YA authors were writing for when YA was becoming a genre in mm-hmm. the early 2000s. And like it, it really, I think, hit its its stride or its peak around 2010 and later, which is when I was going to college. And I was like, oh, I wish I, this was around for me five years ago. But even just reading like the pure romances of like David Levithan, you know, like yeah. between two boys, it's just like, oh my God. And so there was, you know, many elements of representation left to be desired. But even just seeing queer people in a book where they didn't exist 
to get beat up or you know yelled mm-hmm. at was was so lovely and I was lucky that I loved to read and you know lived in a major metropolitan library zone and so was able to get those books but I, I love that you know whatever your your media of choice is there are so many more video games movies and tv shows internet content web series available to you now than there ever were Mm-mm. I remember there's a there's a fantasy book that I've, oh, the name completely escapes me but I was reading it and there just happened to be two gay characters in it they were just a couple and I remember just being like what like doing a double take and there was a it was like really really implied within it that they were like soulmates like they were like a solid ass couple and one of the things that I was just like this is so specific and so sweet was it was like a world with magic but people had very specific magic powers and a lot of people had magic in a very mundane way and one of them had this power that was called being a ladder rat which meant that they could go through these portals or ladders and they could take other people through and it was like this really really powerful magic and then his boyfriend had this useless power in almost all other circumstances except maybe when your soulmate is a ladder rat which was the wherever he was at any point in time he could go through a ladder to another side of the like world and know what the time was like he had that like time zone like he would just immediately be able to be like this is where we are and I was like this is so sweet that they've got this idea of like here's a really useless piece of mundane magic that these two boys just like found each other and it makes total sense that he would need this because he like needed to find this guy who had the exact right kind of combination of magic together that was like so sweet but it was so kind of unexpected classic like doorstop fantasy in there and I was like I look back at it and I'm like how depressing that that was like the exciting thing like that I got so excited because it was something I was so not used to seeing anywhere Mm -hmm. that I was like oh my god a character two characters like whoa this is the coolest thing I've ever read it is yeah or any slight mention of you Mm -hmm. know like Julia was saying like her wife right or like his boyfriend and again like much left to be desired in terms of you know monogamy, gender diversity, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Um, but just those little, those little, like, I, I would experience them as, I don't know, like a, a flare of color in a black and white movie, mm-hmm. right? Of just being like, like not, you know, not just me or somebody mentioning queerness, not as an insult. And that was just like such a beautiful thing. And why, you know, wearing a pride pin year round is something that I really love because mm-hmm. if it's, you know, one person on the train or the street looking at you and like, and having that little thrill of, of me as well, or a barista saying nice pin and me going nice. Like it's it's just it's an element of um, of queer adulthood that I so treasure and feel so lucky to be a part of. Oh my gosh! Okay, I need to take a hard uh, right from sweet to spice. Literally true because uh, Julia is sitting directly to my right. We've done we've done our cute memories. We've done our sweet little uh, romances. I'm ready for some spice. <laughs> I'm ready to like get out of here. Whatever. We want representation. Who cares? What's the spicy hot take that Julia is bringing to this? It's going to cut through all of this sugar. So I've been thinking about this a lot lately and like as a uh, bisexual femme person who is married to a man, I feel a lot of frustration when people claim that when a queer character is like end game with someone who is not the same gender as them, that that is queer baiting. That's not queer baiting. That's just your biphobia. Showing. That's just life. That's yeah. just life. Word. Like, it's okay. Like, I'm sorry that your ship didn't end up happening, but like, this is how life is. That's what being bisexual is or being queer is. You don't necessarily wind up with someone who is the same gender as you. Yeah. And there's a lot of like cis sexist, you know, terrible assumptions that go into also 
assuming that a way a couple presents is is means that they're straight or yeah. that one of them is like no 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 so is this something that's been uh, sparked by a particular show or a particular pairing or is it more just like a observed over time slowly wearing away at your soul um observed over time slowly just like degrading my soul in particular i'm gonna share a deep dark personal truth with you here rowan mm-hmm. i was very into the glee fandom back in the uh, day listen weren't we all yeah. julia truly in it our was hearts and our souls we were theater kids in high school i mean want? it was probably worse for me because i lived in the uk and therefore couldn't technically watch glee and yes. so we would watch it the morning afterwards in our classroom before school began interesting Aww. uh pirating from the computers that at that point That's the school had not quite realized that we were able to pirate on their computers yet. <laughs> oh, yeah like, yeah oh yeah no kids these days can't torrent on their mm-hmm. college wi-fi mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I sure did. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Glee. What what happened with Glee? I don't know. How did man. Glee hurt you? In I mean, oh, Glee hurt a lot me of ways, so but like specifically ways. in this context. All of us. <laughs> it's just like I I also remember just the one scene where it's like oh Blaine and Rachel kissed and Kurt just is extremely biphobic about it and then it ends in an extremely biphobic way where Blaine kisses Rachel again. He's like nope, I'm definitely gay. I'm like guys, there were so many be- like. I, I wasn't out to myself yet at that time, probably when I watched that scene, and it made me feel bad. Mm. So, like, it's, no, don't stop that. Yeah, that was also a real peak of, like, expressing queerness as a sort of, like, hatred of genitals that you don't possess. Right. Mm. Um, which, again, is, like, you know, very not an understanding of of gender and queerness as a spectrum and not a binary whatsoever and like that that shit is tired yeah. no 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 i mean the internet still does that thing where it's like oh god i can't believe i like men i'm like i don't want to not all men you here but like <laughs> it's, it's you're attracted to them for a reason mm-hmm. and it's like totally acceptable for you to be into that like don't why would you shame yourself and also shame the other people who have to see that you know yeah. yeah, especially people who uh, currently have boyfriends mm-hmm. and husbands when that happens. And I'm always like, your poor boyfriend slash husband slash fiance slash, you know, lad to see that where it's like, oh, man, I wish I wasn't with you. And I'm like, this yeah. feels like a not not so fun and funky, my dude. What does that say to trans femme people in your community mm-hmm. like that? You know, there I think a lot of, of discourse in queer communities and spaces, particularly online, is driven by young people, right? Like, we are the ones who feel like we need to say it. We're discovering it for the first time. We're meeting with others. You know, I as I turn 30, I'm realizing how much I thought I knew 10 years ago and how much more there is to know. And watching, you know, queer elders and even just, you know, adults who are, you know, middle-aged, older than me, being vocal about the things that they're learning is such a useful thing. And not that you can't have opinions, but just knowing that there is always more to learn, I think is such a valuable skill in life. And one of the parts of, you know, queer flourishing or queer happiness or queer adulthood, like I, you know, people have fought and died before me for the privilege of me, you know, making mistakes and learning as I had the chance to get older and live a successful queer life, you know, whatever that looks like. And, you know, I think it's 
if people have more options and not fewer, that's better, Mm -hmm. particularly around your identity changing over time. And if your gender identity changes, you know, and your sexuality changes and new labels, you know, might apply to you or feel right to you or ones that you used to get a lot of meaning from no longer fit. Like, that's a beautiful thing that means that you know yourself better and you've, you know, gotten to live long enough to find out something new about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I really, you know, sort of coming out the first time was like bisexual is my label and that is what I will never stray from and that will always apply to me. And I want to give others the sort of freedom and confidence not to need to sort of abide by that. Straight people don't need to do that, you know, Mm -hmm. and and we, we should have that freedom too. Yeah. I feel like if anyone is listening to this right now and they're like, coming out, I've got to do it and this is how it goes. Um, that's not necessarily how it goes. Mm-mm. You know what I, I mean? Like it YouTube can go video. anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it can go like anyway. And I think that one of the most damaging sort of like media representations that just kind of gets repeated that really frustrates me is the idea that like you have to be certain in yourself before you say anything. Like the first time you even mention something to someone else about your sexuality or, or your gender has to be like an affirmative statement where you're like, I am this. And then prior to that you just have to figure out on your own in your own brain absolutely not like you should absolutely feel if you have people you're comfortable discussing it with or if whether it's people you know or there are like you know helplines there are there are websites there are like uh, hotlines you can call things like that where you might be able to talk things through with people you might be able to say to your friend like i think i like this or i think i feel this and that that's just as valid as people who you know figure out in their own brain and then come and say this is definitively who I am the end because yeah. um, it's because it makes a better story it makes a a more intense drama within a within a piece of fictional media where it's like okay you know we have to have the hero's darkest hour we have to have someone internally figuring themselves out and we have to have this big scene that people can you clip. come out at a parade yeah where they're like prom. I am bisexual and they say the word and like that's the first time they say it and it's very dramatic and da 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 and I think that you know what works for fiction and for a you know a movie to, to get those clippable scenes with the trailer is not necessarily how people need to live their lives um yeah. well that's run spicy take for the day i guess that's so, so true <laughs> and like what a what a gift like when when friends have come to me and said hey i'm you know i'm trying out these pronouns i'm trying out this name you know w- like help me experiment like what a mm-hmm. what a gift and an act of trust that is and to be you know maybe the first person in someone else's life to say you know hey there's a thing i'm curious about a thing i'm thinking about a thing that's on my mind a thing that you know have you ever had these kinds of thoughts? Um, you know, have you ever, you know, wondered about this or did something about Miss Honey appeal to you, not just on a financial independence level? Um, you know, like a uh, hint, hint, wink, 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 somebody affirmed me. That, that's that's a lovely, beautiful act of friendship and trust, the thing that, you know, builds relationship. And I think you're you're brave and amazing if you do it. And you're brave and amazing if you're the person someone trusts with that. Absolutely. I want to say, because um, I didn't judge your uh, hot take, Tick, yeah, it's a great yeah. hot take. Ding, ding, ding. And I think it's really frustrating when you have like these crumbs that you're looking for, when you get into a situation where people are like so desperate to try and find the queerness in a piece of media mm-hmm. that media also feels like it's able to say something like, oh, all these people seem to be thinking that this character is like gay well what if we put them in a straight relationship and you can be like <laughs> uno reverso my dear uh <laughs> bisexuals exist like this is how it works but also acknowledging the fact that if you haven't said that this character is bi is queer is pan like whatever or or you know whether that's through them saying the word or through showing that you can't claim credit 
to be like, oh yeah, cool, this character. Either way, actually, you can't kind of have a character who has never been shown to be bisexual in in whatever I say either direction, but it's not really two directions, like yeah. omnidirectional, and kind of claim that afterwards in the writing room in the same way that you can't do it for gay characters that seem to have never actually portrayed that on screen. And I think that it's so frustrating when you have these assumptions that happen around oh if we put them with this particular gender then people will just assume that they're gay or straight and that you know the word bisexual for so long just was like never uttered on television let alone any other kind of like m-spec identities that i'm i'm always like really excited for having these experiences of particular identities within queerness right which are their own experiences which have their own complications which aren't equivalent to any other ones exactly as you say like what is the experience of someone who is in a relationship that other people perceive to not be queer but who are queer themselves like what what is that specific experience like and I think that when people are trying to like scramble over the crumbs of representation and be like we don't need that we need this we don't know we don't need that we need this i think it's it's always going to be healthier and better for the community and for representation and for understanding of each other to be like what if that and that yeah what if this and this it is great to have marriage equality and you know uh adoption rights and let's work on dismantling white supremacy and successism mm-hmm. and making sure that you can say the words gay and trans in schools in America in 20, checks watch 22, mm-hmm. uh, you know, which we're, you know, writing petitions about right now. Like it's, it's a, it's a buffet, not a, a single dish. Yeah. Exactly. And um, give me a chef's tasting of, of sexuality. Ooh, a flight, options. a yeah. flight of sexuality and gender yes, representation. Please. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> Listen, if you can't muster up the courage to tell your parents that you're bisexual, I do recommend making a vlog about it and letting them find it on the internet, which is what I did. Incredible uh, work. And if your parents are divorced and don't talk to each other, you know, one way to make them talk is for your kid to make coming out video and mm. then uh, figure it out from there. So, you know, do I endorse it? No. Did I do it? Sure did. Uh, so spicy. Um, I <laughs> I uh, genuinely don't know if coming out videos are a thing anymore beyond, wow. you know, that kind of like Jojo Siwa, like, oh, it's already a big public figure who is now doing the big coming out video. Yeah. I mm. kind of feel like that was a... A, a very specific like moment in time. era, a very specific moment that we had for a while there that was like it's gonna be in the the museum of queer of digital queerness is gonna be its own little booth where it's like you can go in and experience the click through people's coming yeah like having a look at these clips the 2008 to 12 era <laughs> of YouTube but if you are interested in Julia and me. Uh, our queer opinions, our queer lives, and hearing us come out softly and then all at once over the course of a six-year-long podcast, you can listen to Spirits. And And you should. You should. You should. We always look for those little moments of of queer canons and headcanons throughout history. That's true. Uh, and me and Jazza were actually on an episode of Spirits about vampires that Rowan, got very gay. Perhaps our most chaotic episode ever. And yep. I love it. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining. What fun to be in the same room as someone and we have to look them directly into so the nice. eyeballs while they give me their hot takes and tell in me about Miss Honey. bisexual lighting. It was That's like a it was. Nice bisexual mm-hmm. I have been here. admiring the incredible recording booth that we are currently in, which is um, yeah, much more professional than me and Jazz are just doing it in our living rooms. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening as well, everyone. And we would love to hear if you agree slash disagree with any exciting takes and or movies that made people queer in here. I hope some of you have the same experience as me and 
being like, oh my God, I've forgotten about that. Yeah, that like, oh my gosh, yeah, that, that scene in Ren, that scene in Queer as Folk. Uh, and until next time, go be gay. Woo! I feel like that should be the outro from now on. There we go. Yay! <laughs> we did it. Go be gay. Go and be gay. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with everything podcast related. If you enjoyed this episode, please do think about supporting us over on Patreon. Our patrons really are the backbone of the podcast, and in exchange for your support, we have some great tier rewards set up over there. One of the perks on our Patreon is a queer movie watch-along every last Saturday of the month, exclusively for our patrons. It's very fun, so, you know, come and join us. The Queer Movie Podcast is edited by Julia Shafini. We're also part of Multitude Productions, which has a lot more amazing sibling podcasts to ours that you should definitely check out. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so you are primed for our next episode. Thank you so much for listening and hopefully you will hear from us very soon.